This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Happy opening day, everybody, and welcome into the Black and Blue Report podcast. We're in Memphis, Tennessee, as tonight the Pelicans do open the regular season against the Grizzlies. Hi again, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly. We've got a great show for you today. It's packed. Of course, we've got to start getting ready for Saints and Packers. We'll do that a bit later with Diana Rossini from ESPN. She was covering the Saints this past weekend, and now she's already in Green Bay uh, covering the Packers and their situation with regard to the loss of Aaron Rodgers due to injury. So we've got that conversation to, to start today. And obviously here in Memphis, we're all abuzz about the start of a new NBA season. We're going to hear from Michael Wallace, Grind City Media, here in a moment to preview the Grizzlies, this first opponent. And then we also have our first Wesley Wednesday here on this uh, Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Certainly glad to have Victor Howell back on the Pelicans radio broadcast. He is here with me. We're actually sitting here inside the FedEx Forum on opening day. Happy New Year, my friend. Absolutely. It is great to be back, ready to start another season. Excited for tonight. Get the Pelican season tipped off, and what a way for the season to start last night. Two big games, two big storylines, a horrific injury to one of the up-and-coming stars. I mean, news already in the NBA, and we played two games. Yeah, we didn't have, like, the slow merge into the season last night, did we? It was like, it was like you better be up the highway speed right now. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got Kyrie Irving going back to Cleveland. Hayward goes down in the first six minutes, and then Boston almost pulls it off and considered the two top teams in the East. And then you watch two teams out in the West, and, boy, you can really see the pace in the West is going to be so much different. Look at that back and forth in Cleveland, kind of a grudge match, and then it was just free-flowing out in Golden State. Durant hits it at the buzzer, but it's too late. Houston gets a big win. Chris Paul already bothered with knee injury, and there's storylines already all over the league. Yeah, and I think that the no easing into this thing qualifies here as well for both the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies, who have now made seven postseason appearances, have an awfully new look to them this year, and then there's the Pelicans. And, and I think there's an air of excitement around this New Orleans team as they begin this new this new season. Yeah, very exciting to see now that you've got Cousins back for his first full year, not coming in midseason. How is it going to work with Anthony? How Drew taking over? Of course, with all the expectations of Rondo, we know he's out with the injury, so we'll wait for him to get back. But how do the pieces fit together? And coming right back here, and look, I know it was preseason, and I don't want to bring it up because you had to sit through it five days ago. I don't care when you're playing. You give up 140-something. There's reason for concern. If you looked at Memphis, that would have been their second-highest point total ever in a regular season. Now, I like to lean on the side of, hey, we're facing them again in five nights when it counts. Let's not show them too much at the end of the preseason. So let's see how it kicks off. But, yes, it's certainly a lot of excitement to see what we'll see from the Pelicans. All right. Victor Howell again in the analyst chair with us on the Pelicans radio network tonight. Uh, give, me, give me a question uh, that you have, whether it be a concern or something you're excited about, and, and, and maybe that – what is the first thing that you're going to watch for? I mean, literally the ball goes in the air and you're watching for what? I want to see how they're going to use the big man. Are you, are you going to go high-low with them both inside? You hear all the stories and the developments of wanting to see more of Cousins out top. I'll give you a perfect example. You look at the Memphis Grizzlies. How does, how does Gasol go from 14 three-pointers in his career to over 100 last year alone? Are we seeing that shift in basketball? Because I look at Cousins and I see his size and agility. He can just wear an entire team's roster out in the paint. How much are we going to see him with this new-look offense and with this up-tempo they want to do? How much are we going to see him 15, 20, 25 feet away from the basket? Or are we going to see more of that power game on the inside? Right off the bat, I want to see how he plays against Gasol, where they're going to use 
Cousins in the full-time rotation. All right, Victor Howell with us on the broadcast tonight, obviously, as the analyst on the Pelicans radio side. Our television analyst, David Wesley, will be with us here shortly uh, to talk from his angle of things as we begin a new Wesley Wednesday in a new venue this season on the road. I'll just hold the surprise for that. I'm, I'm sure that you're glued to your whatever device you're listening to this podcast. Before we take our first break, though, we want to check in on the Memphis Grizzlies and get their perspective as they open their season tonight as well here at the FedEx Forum. And to do that, we bring in Daniel Salerson and Mike Wallace of Grind City Media. Michael, let's start with your Grizzlies, who lost a couple pieces of their grit and grind team. Zach Randolph goes to the Kings, and of course the Pelicans now have Tony Allen. With that being said, what can you tell us about Memphis's opening night roster? Well, I can tell you that it's a roster in transition. I mean, this has gone from one of the oldest teams in the league in terms of the most veteran experience uh, for the past seven years to being the seventh youngest team in the league uh, this season. But it's still anchored by, you know, Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol. But around them, uh, you have a second-year guy in Andrew Harrison who's going to be starting as shooting guard. Uh, James Dennis is still within his first three, four, five years in the league. Um you know, at small forward. And then you go to the uh, power forward position, Jermichael Green is a four-year guy. So the thing is what they're doing now is they've transitioned from the grit and grind, half-court, duke it out, you know, post-up game uh, with two bigs to trying to be more of an up-tempo space and pace type team. And that's what uh, David Fisdale's biggest challenge is going into year two. Do you think they adapted well to that transition with David Fizdale at coach? It seemed like we saw a lot of that last year, a lot more threes taken by not only the team, but Marcus Gasol, who normally doesn't take a lot of threes. How do you think this team has been at adapting to Fizdale's offense? Oh, they have. It's been a gradual process. And this this is not a one-season or, or maybe even a two-season uh, process in terms of reaching the potential that it can be. Uh, but you certainly, as you mentioned, they took steps towards that last year. Uh, the Grizzlies set a franchise record for three-pointers attempted and made last season. Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley both attempted and made the most threes that they've ever had in their careers. Uh, the Grizzlies jumped as a result from near the near or at or near the bottom of the league in three-point shooting the previous years up till around the middle of the pack in terms of the volume of threes that they're shooting. Uh, I think you're going to see that go even further this year. You know, losing Tony and losing Zach doesn't necessarily affect the three-point game because those guys weren't three-point shooters. And, and they really weren't really uh, up-and-down type players when it came to transition. However, having said that, those were two proven veterans who knew how to win games in the fourth quarter, who you could rely on uh, to step up and get big-pressure situations. And that's something that this team is going to have to learn to do. Mark and Mike are going to have to carry more of the load, uh, especially early on in the season as they try to get back together with some of these younger guys and some of these newer guys. I was looking at your tweet from yesterday about the Grizzlies starting lineup for tonight's game against the Pelicans. I saw that there was no Chandler Parsons. What was uh, Coach David Fizdale's reasoning for having Parsons come off the bench instead of starting? Well, the bottom line is that Chandler Parsons is three knee surgeries into his career now. He's had three knee surgeries in the span of three seasons. Uh, and he's just uh, four, five, six months removed from the most recent one, which is the one he had back in March. So it's one of those situations where, listen, the the knees are surgically repaired, as they say, but the game still has to get back to the level that Chandler Parsons needs it to get back to. It's one thing to be physically able to resume basketball-related activities. It's another one. Uh, it's a, a completely different thing to be able to say, hey, I'm back to where I need to be uh, to function as a frontline NBA player. And, yes, the contract says that Chandler Parsons should be a max guy, an all-star type performer, uh, certainly a starter uh, who you're relying on as a third option. 
But right now, his body is just not at that stage yet in this stage of the uh, the comeback and the recovery. So he's going to be able to deal himself back into the the, the, the game, so to speak, uh, from the back of the deck and not necessarily hamper or, or impact the rotation early on. And then we'll see where it goes from there as the season progresses. Are they confident that he could get back to what he was, the, the guy that they did sign a couple of years ago? You know, that's a great question. Um, confident that he can get back to that? I mean, they were expecting, like I said, a, a max guy, $94 million contract. Um, he was on the verge of being one of those all-star type players. Not everybody that's an all-star player becomes an all-star because of the voting. But uh, certainly, and Mike Conley can speak to that because he's never made an all-star game, but he certainly is an all-star type player. Chandler was trending in that direction. Can he get back to that? Uh, it remains to be seen. I know there's still hope. They just want him to be a regular rotation contributor at this point, to be available to help boost that second unit. And if he's the sixth man of the year or if he's in the running for sixth man of the year, then I think that's a productive step towards what they hope he can become once he uh, once he gets his legs back. But it's a gradual process at this point. I can tell you this much for sure. The, the expectations have been tempered some, but at the end of the day, this man is still going to have a chance to, uh, to to get back to the kind of player that it at least can be a productive NBA contributor on a regular basis. Speaking of expectations, this Grizzlies team was a seven seed last year and had a hard-fought series against the Spurs, falling to them in six games. What are the expectations for the Grizz this season? You know, it's funny because, you know, if you, if you come to the game tonight, you're going to see, uh, number one, you're going to see grit and grind forever towels uh, in, in paying homage to Tony Allen. And obviously Tony's going to get a nice reception as he did last week uh, when these teams played in the preseason finale. Uh, but you're also going to see a team that, you know, when they, when they hit the floor and when this team gets to the floor, uh, it, it's going to be one of those wide open, hey, let's see where this season takes us type level of expectations. David Fisdale plainly said it's going to take 45 wins to get into the Western Conference playoffs this year. He believes that that benchmark, that line of demarcation is right at 45. And that's a lot. I mean, considering the Grizzlies were a seven seed last year at 43 wins. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the competition that you're going to see at the top of the West to get to those top eight spots, you know, that's where he's setting his bar. He wants this to be an eighth consecutive playoff appearance for the Grizzlies. I mean, that's the second longest streak uh, in the Western Conference and third longest overall in the league behind only the San Antonio Spurs and the Atlanta Hawks. So you you don't want to see that streak come to an end, especially when you have three max players technically on your roster and you have a healthy Mike Conley and a healthy Mark Gasol. So the expectation is to make the playoffs, and if that takes winning 45 games, then that's the, the, the least of which uh, in terms of where the expectations are set. I'm glad he brought up Tony Allen. Obviously, he's been a good guy to have around for the Pelicans in just the two weeks or the few weeks and the months that we've known him. Eric Hasseltine speak, spoke about him last week on our podcast. Um, but what are the Pelicans getting in Tony Allen? Well, first and foremost, I'm offended that you went to Eric Hasseltine before you came. <laughs> That's first and foremost. Let's just get that out of the way. Okay, I'm no, sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I, man, Eric Hasseltine and I, man, we, we, we have a love-hate relationship. He's my guy when I do the radio broadcast with him one of the best professionals at his job uh, that we have in the league. And we certainly are fortunate to have him uh, broadcasting the Grizzlies games for as long as he has. Um, you know, the, the thing about Tony is, you know, he's such a unique player. He's such a unique personality. Um, you know, he's, he's infectious when it comes to the way that he approaches the game. He's infectious in terms of what he does in the community. And, look, I, I've been with Grind City Media and, and with the Grizzlies for a year now. Um, but I had covered Tony on a regular basis from time to time throughout his career when I was at ESPN, dropping in for games and, and coverage. 
And, and, and the thing that always struck me is that, yes, he's the most intense, the most prepared player that I've seen. And I've been around some of the greatest in the game, uh, going back to, you know, the, uh, the, the Shaq and Kobe days all the way up until now. I've been around LeBron James for four years in Miami when he was there. I've been around Dwayne Wade and Pat Riley and, and, and Dwight Howard in Orlando when he was at his peak. And, you know, all of these players, all of these teams. But Tony Allen has this unique ability to break down film and, and for it to be almost like a scientist in terms of how he goes about his defensive assignments. And sometimes that rubs the coaches the wrong way because he's sort of a off on the island type guy. Um, but but in terms of how he studies and, and each and every opponent and knows every single nuance of that player's ability, the weeks, I mean, the strengths, the weaknesses, what the player had for lunch before the game, the whole, I mean, Tony knows all of those details. And he goes out and performs his job. And that's one of the things that I admire most about him being an all-time NBA defender. But even more so, I had a chance to spend time in the community with him. I went into the uh, Shelby County, uh, Memphis, downtown Memphis prison system, uh, when he went in there and talked to young offenders, you know, I was at his karaoke event when he was raising money for uh, at youth and adolescents to try to get them back in school when they had run a file, you know, when they got into truancy issues. So this is the kind of man that lives his life as real as it gets, and he's going to be transparent and straight up. And I, I could talk about Tony for days, man. And like I said, I know he's an acquired taste with his personality. Uh, he can put a lot of pressure on your public relations staff sometimes. But at the end of the day, man, this guy is truly what he says he is. And that's grit, grind, all heart, first team. And, and those are the things that define Tony Allen. We're certainly looking forward to seeing him on the court and also what he does off the court, as you mentioned. Let's talk about tonight's matchup real quick before I let you go. Uh, how do the Grizzlies match up with this Pelicans team who have the two best, two of arguably the best big men in the NBA with Cousins and Davis, but obviously don't have Rondo tonight. But uh, what, what do you see in this matchup between these two teams? This is the Pelicans are always a unique team. They're always, you know, they sort of go against the grain for whatever the what else, you know, what the other NBA teams are doing. I think we throw away the preseason finale. Uh, the Grizzlies don't score 140 plus points yeah. ever, <laughs> and, and I'm sure they're not going to be beating many teams by 40 points uh, in the game. That said, we both know Boogie and, and Brow didn't play the second half of that preseason game. So, again, it was basically a glorified scrimmage. I mm -hmm. think what we see tonight is a low-scoring defensive slugfest, really. And, and I think uh, the foul calls are going to dictate, you know, which team has the upper hand. If Boogie and Brow are able to get into their game and dictate the paint and be able to control it on both ends of the court, uh, the Pelicans can have, uh, have their way. If not, if it gets up into an up-and-down type tempo, which is what the Grizzlies are going to do, Mark Gasol forces you to miss assignments. And if Mark Gasol can get confident and, and aggressive early, then I like the Grizzlies' chances here. So these are two teams that are really, really still trying to find their way. You know, this trade happened last year, you know, last All-Star break, but this is the first full offseason that Davis and Cousins have had together. Drew Holiday is just getting himself back, both mentally and physically, from a tough season last year. And, you know, you're going to see what the supporting cast for both of these teams have left. But we won't be able to truly analyze and break down what the Pelicans are until Rondo gets out there as sort of your floor general, a guy that knows the game and knows how to control both ends of the court. Uh, it should be a fun one tonight at the FedEx Forum. I'm also glad you talked about throwing away that last preseason game because I'm still trying to get that out of my mind as it wasn't pretty to watch. Um, so I'm glad we can put that one behind <laughs> us and we can actually play some games that matter. So. Uh, should be a good one tonight. That's Michael Wallace, senior editor, contributor, and analyst for Grind City Media at Grizzlies.com. They do a lot of great stuff there. 
covering the Grizzlies. You might want to take a look at that. A must-read here in the Southwest Division. Michael, I appreciate the time and enjoy the ballgame tonight. Hey, anytime. Thanks a lot for having me. All right, guys, thank you very much. Still to come, Diana Rossini from ESPN. And up next, our first Wesley Wednesday of this new season. There are plenty of good reasons to attend the Sanderson Farms Championship. About 150,000 good reasons. Batson Children's Hospital, part of Children's of Mississippi, averages 150,000 patient visits a year. And each year, proceeds from the championship support these patients by donating to Friends of Children's Hospital. Last year, the championship raised over $1 million for Friends. So join us for the Sanderson Farms Championship, October 23rd through 29th at the Country Club of Jackson. Good reason for a great time. 50 years ago, a groovy new golf gig first teed off in Mississippi. The tournament now known as the Sanderson Farms Championship. To celebrate, join us October 23rd through 29th at the Country Club of Jackson for first-class golf, waves of fun, and 100% natural Sanderson Farms chicken, all to raise money for Friends of Children's Hospital. Don't miss this 50th anniversary celebration. Visit SandersonFarmsChampionship.com for tickets today. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to Memphis. We continue on this uh, opening day for the NBA season for the New Orleans Pelicans. And our Black and Blue Report continues with the start of another new season of Wesley Wednesday. I think we're changing it up here a little bit. We've done this on the road normally from said hotel lobby. And boy, have we hit some over the last year or two. We're at Starbucks. I guess we're giving a plug to Starbucks. Maybe we'll just say coffee shops. Maybe, David, maybe our new road venue for Wesley Wednesday are coffee shops, and we can make that a thing. I need some endorsement deals. You know, I, I need to, to dig into uh, the upper management of this coffee shop and see if they want me to plug them every week, because I will, and we'll make sure that we come right here, sit in their spot, and do Wesley Wednesday every week. I love how you said it, because I will. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm easy. <laughs> I can be bought. Yeah. There's a vibe, though. I kind of like the coffee house vibe thing. I don't like the $6 cup of coffee. I'm not helping your cause here for a plug. On, but, uh, don't, don't ruin, don't ruin my, my, my endorsements here. <laughs> Fair enough. Happy opening day, by the way. Yeah, happy opening day. I'm excited to get started. It's an interesting time for this team, isn't it? The, this, these New Orleans Pelicans are, in a lot of ways, what we left with at the end of last season but then again it's it's seemingly all different and i and and if i just take cousins for example we've had demarcus cousins now on our team since the all-star break of last season but yet i feel like he's a new player in some ways well i I think it it's a a new way to look at it you know he played uh in the last 25 games he played 17 of those games and um you got to see what he brings to the table you got to see him and Anthony Davis work together, how he works with the team. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with a whole season under his belt. Um, those two guys put up crazy numbers. Even just in that last 25 games, they were still, you know, 25-plus 12 rebounds together, which is something only two other combos have done. So, um, you know, it, it, even though he, he feels like a new player, you know, at least he knows who, his surroundings and his team, and he should get off to a good start. I agree. Let's get the bad thing out of the way first. The fact that Rajon Rondo and Solomon Hill won't be on the floor for the Pelicans here on opening night, 
stinks. I don't have another word for it. It just stinks. I, I think that's a good word. Uh, I'm sure we could find some stronger ones if we if we just wanted to go all rogue. But um, yeah, it does. And you know, you you when you saw that signing and you saw what he does, you know, I saw him in a couple of practices where. You know, he just makes plays, and he makes passes, and he, he makes things easier for his teammates around him, and for him to not be out on the floor to start the season is, is very disappointing. Okay, with that being said, we, we took care of kind of the, the reintroduction of Cousins, the, the fact that, yes, they are missing two projected starters. Again. Yes, again. Let, let's talk about this. What, what things are you excited about? And then I'll follow that up with what questions do you have as we begin this thing? Well, I'm excited about the fact that here's another opportunity for this team who has struggled to get out of the gates, um, an opportunity to get out of the gates uh, uh, a little bit better than they have in the past two seasons, which without going into that, because um, we're talking positive, um, and and they have a group of guys that, that can play. There's some talent out there. There's some guys that can play. There's some unknowns, but... Uh, I, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what the bench guys bring to this team. You know, you're, you know what you're going to get from Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, Drew Holiday. Uh, you know, they're all in their at least sixth year plus, and so you know what to expect. It's it's going to be the other guys and what they bring um, is going to be very important. But um, it's going to be a tough first 12 games. But you know, I'm I'm hoping to see at least a six and six uh, to start this season, and and hopefully not get too far behind. And, and when I say questions, I don't necessarily mean concerns. Maybe it's a question about something that piggybacks off of what you're excited about. So, you know, if you're to make a list of like, hey, I really want to see how this works or I am concerned about this, those all fall into the same category. Yeah, you know, the, the questions are the bench. You know, are we going to have what, you know, a lot of people refer to as a bench mob comes in, changes pace, changes the tone of the game creates a lead or gets a lead uh, back, um, you know that that kind of thing. That those are those are the things that I'll be watching for, especially early in the season. Um, and shooting um, concerns, questions: um, How well are they going to be able to shoot the ball from the perimeter? You got two dominant big guys inside and out, and they're going to create a lot of double team situations and draw people and take a lot of attention so they're going to be open guys and it's going to be up to them to to knock down shots yeah. there's a new offensive coordinator in the building chris finch uh who comes from denver where they utilized two bigs primarily last season um have you noticed a difference in the way the pelicans are playing at least in the preseason or the practices that you've watched well i i think it's it's somewhat similar um obviously golden state has kind of made this mold that people are trying to emulate just a little bit and you know, they want to play up-tempo. Um, I think where Chris Finch is going to really show his teeth a little bit is different wrinkles in the offense, different ways to get Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins the ball um, and, and ball movement, um, certainly something that Alvin Gentry has already been preaching uh, since he's been here. He wants to play up-tempo. He wants the ball to move. He wants the ball to be shared. Um, and I think Chris Finch is just adding to that um, but mainly, how do we get Anthony Davis to Marcus Cousins in their comfort zone where they can succeed and be even better if that's possible? Yeah. David, is there a guy, and I, and I love asking you this because you were that guy, is there a guy that you've noticed here on this roster, whether it be in practice or their past or even the preseason games, that might be poised to 
make a big jump this year. I, I'll, I'll throw some options out, and maybe you won't pick any of them, but Darius Miller returns to the NBA after going overseas to kind of get a lot of things right. Ian Clark, we've watched him, but that he's never been thrust into a larger role. Um, Etwan Moore, for that matter, who was asked to do a myriad of different things last year and now all of a sudden has to start again because of the Rondo injury. So you get where I'm going with this, right? Uh, absolutely, and I, and I like uh, Darius Miller. And, and, you know, he goes away for two years. How is his confidence? How is his assertiveness? I thought he was more hesitant than lack of being able to play. Um, sticking within his comfort zone. He doesn't need to necessarily put the ball on the floor and create catch and shoot, catch and drive, uh, and, and finish at the basket. So, um, But the guy that I really, and for a number of reasons, think that can kind of add something to this team is Shek Diallo. Now, is he understanding his role on the team? Is he understanding where to be in every aspect of the game, which might be one of his the things that they're looking at? Well, we can't put him on the floor because we can't trust him to do whatever that is. Um, but his offensive rebounding, he runs the floor, he's very active. He's one of those guys that I think make a difference in, in short minutes uh, that can make a difference for this team. And this team has struggled, offensive rebounds, especially last year. I think they were 29th. Um, so I, w- I would like to see him make a big jump, you know, if he's able to get out there on the floor. Two games last night to start the NBA season off. Let's start with the Gordon Hayward injury. I mean, I hate to do it, but that's what everybody's talking about. It's a very significant way to start the season in a not-so-fun way. It really is a shame. Six minutes into the first game, he's already out pretty much. If I had to guess, it would be for the season because that looked ugly, and I don't know what the injury was. Uh, I never heard the report on what it was, but um, what a shame. A team that Obviously, is challenging, you know, for that top two spots in the in the East. Um, a team that really looked good early in the first six minutes looked good last night. Probably should have won that game. Um, and w- without one of their better players, maybe their best player, um, arguably with Kyrie, now out for a long time. So um, very disappointing. But you know, it's, it's hard to feel sorry for them when we're dealing with what we deal with almost every year. Did you did you make it to the end of the Golden State Houston game? I fell asleep. I had to watch the I had to watch the recap this morning. Man, it was too late for me on the night before the opener. I, I did not I did not make it to the end. Um, uh, yeah, it's um, and I would have loved to. Um, didn't really get to see a whole lot of it. So um, you know, it's good to see the season get started, get kicked off, and. Here we go for this marathon run. Yeah. By the way, we'll be seeing those Warriors on Friday, and then we'll be the ones playing those late-at-night games starting on Sunday and then Tuesday and Thursday of next week with that first West Coast road trip. I think we're on to something with the coffee shop thing. Do you? I mean, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I got a little caffeine in me. I'm, I feel like I'm up. I feel like I'm fired up and, re- and ready to go to our first regular season shoot-around and, and see what these guys have, have uh kind of mapped out and game plan and get ready for tonight. You're going to be on TV tonight, man. I'm ready. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm ready. I, you know, it, it, I feel like it's almost my first game. You know, like it's my first game of the season. So um, it is. It, it is. Um, 
but yeah, I'm looking forward to a pretty good season, and 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 hopefully these guys can can come together collectively and play some good basketball because obviously that makes it easier for us to do what we do. If we're going to get treated to David Wesley on Wednesdays during the basketball season, the least I think we can do is put him in a good spot like a coffee shop, which he loves. Either that or a golf course that may come soon enough. Oh, that's a good idea. Could be next week. Um, But David and Joel Myers and Jen Hale tonight on Fox Sports New Orleans, they kick off their new season tonight. I know they've got a big show planned, and uh, we're excited. It's time to go. We're in Memphis. We'll continue on the Black and Blue Report in just a moment. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe, original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more, and always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. All right, great Pelican stuff so far here on opening day for the Pelicans. They'll be on the floor against the Grizzlies tonight. Last details about that here in just a moment. Let's turn our attention to football. We've got this new week starting basically today on Wednesday as the Saints are back into full practice mode. Uh, Drew Brees will be talking to the media. We'll have highlights of that, of course, later today on NewOrleansSaints.com. But this is a big week for the uh, Saints as they get set to take on the Packers at Lambeau Field. Sans Aaron Rodgers now, which is a very significant storyline, but only breeds more in that what will you see from the Green Bay backup, who I think probably in a lot of ways would start in the NFL in other spots. But as we look at the Packers as they exist at the moment, uh, obviously there's no Aaron Rodgers, so it does change the storyline for this weekend's game. By the way, congratulations to Mike Maudie, one of our favorites. He's back with the Saints uh, as a linebacker and special teams player. So that's good stuff. And, and obviously we'll learn more about this week's transactions and the injury situation for both teams when we see the injury list later today for the first time this week. With all that being said, let's get on the ground and running up in Green Bay. A visit here as Daniel Salerson was able to sit down Earlier today with Diana Rossini from ESPN covering the NFL and specifically these two teams this week. Let's begin with the Aaron Rodgers injury. Of course, the Packers were not able to recover against the Vikings after Rodgers went down in the first quarter. You were there in Green Bay the last couple of days. Uh, what's been the mood like in that Packer locker room? It's like a funeral. No, it's, it's, it's actually really not that bad. Um, I was in there Monday morning and you know news had already broke that at that point you know, Rogers' doctors have decided that, that he would need surgery and that he'd probably miss the rest of the season, which, while it's not official that, that he's done, I mean, if you do the math with the collarbone surgery, uh, you know, it, it, it's very, very unlikely that he'd be able to, to, to come back during the playoffs if they were to make it. 
but the, the tone in the locker room was, was sort of, hey, we've got to just move on. You know, it was obvious that they, they, they had a team meeting where, where the theme had to be, all right, we've got to roll up our sleeves here and, and figure out a way. Um, you know, and I, you can't replace Aaron Rodgers, and that's something that I really appreciated um, from the players when speaking to them about the change of quarterback now was, you know, they can't lie about it because we all know, right? We all know that Aaron Rodgers is, uh, if not the, the, the top two best quarterbacks, if not the top quarterback in the NFL. When he goes down, it changes the entire dynamic. But you, you look at this injury report for the Packers, and, you know, you take away Aaron Rodgers and you look at their offensive line, I think that was sort of a, a bigger side or at least a side story to the bigger one uh, on Monday that, that they're really, really banged up. And we don't even have an update on whether or not they're going to be full go uh, for Sunday's game. Lots going on in Green Bay, that's for sure. So as you mentioned now, it's the Brett Hundley show in Green Bay. After watching mm-hmm. him talk to you and reporters on Monday, it seems like head coach Mike McCarthy is pretty confident in Brett under center for the Packers. Yeah, he is. And and it's something even before this injury happened. Um, I just remember talking to Packers players and even talking to the coaching staff about their backup situation just, just randomly, not because I was specifically uh, foreshadowing this could happen. And they always spoke so highly about Hunley and what he could do and the, the relationship between him and Aaron and how Aaron was mentoring him. And, and, and while it was believed that, that you know, who knows if, if he would ever get that opportunity to start that he was getting those reps and, and they were willing to take that chance on him at least this week uh, with the belief that he, that he can get the job done. And, and again, you know, coach McCarthy was, was pretty open with us about the idea that, listen, the offense is going to have to definitely change. We're going to have to tailor it to fit, which means the running game is going to probably uh, show itself a lot more w- w- with him under center versus Aaron Rodgers, who, who we know is so dangerous especially, you know, in broken up plays and, and he's able to make magic out there. But in terms of, of going forward, it looks like they feel very comfortable that he can at least run this offense. And, man, can you imagine what this kid feels like getting his yeah. first start at Lambeau Field? It's going to be unbelievable. And it's against the New Orleans Saints, who are one of the hottest teams in the league right now. So with that being said, and you kind of talked about it with the running game having to step up, uh, does this put pressure on the Packers' defense as far as trying to stop one of the better offenses in the league in the Saints now that the Packers are without their top quarterback? Yeah, where where did you guys come from? Where How did this happen? <laughs> Came out uh, of nowhere. I, I was going into, yeah, I was going into this year thinking, you know, this is going to be just an okay season for the Saints, and they've, they've got some good pieces. But but now, I mean, you guys you guys are definitely one of the hottest teams coming, coming in, and, and the Packers are, are not – are certainly not overlooking you guys. I talked to a couple players on defense about it and, and talking about what they can expect from a, you know, from an always creative, um, you know, Sean Payton run offense with Drew Brees. And there's a lot of respect for the Saints uh, in that Packers locker room because they know. Although that said, I didn't realize this uh, until yesterday that the uh, the Saints don't fare very well at Lambeau. Uh, they, they, they've lost nine times mm-hmm. there. Uh, and only and they've only won once, so uh, this is certainly going to be a, a, a big challenge for the Packers. You know, and these are the kind of games that, that you wonder about because you know you, you got to just hope if you're a Saints fan that they don't overlook Hunley. And you know, just from speaking to some some people with the Saints, you know, it's it sounds like there's a lot of respect for what Hunley can do. This isn't a guy that they think is just a scrub 
who, who can't run it. Or, you know, what, what he did on Sunday when he had to come in for Aaron Rodgers, it, it's hard to really say, um, you know, he's not very good based on that. I mean, that the whole situation is, is, is not good. He hasn't practiced first team reps. He's mentally not ready. So to, to see what he can do with the mental reps being, being focused and having this offense run around him all week long in the meeting rooms, taking first team uh, opportunities, I think, I think the Saints are smart by not overlooking him. Diana, besides the Eagles who sit at 5-1, and one, there are eight teams who have two losses in the NFC with Aaron Rodgers now most likely out for the season. How wide open is this race now in the NFC? Can you believe this? This is what I love about the NFL. Every other sport, NBA, baseball, I, I feel like don't, particularly when the season starts, you kind of know who's going mm-hmm. to the World Series in the back of your mind. You're like, eh, it's going to probably be these three teams, yep. these two teams, especially the NBA, right? Uh, I mean, I was thinking about that last night. I was like, you know, this isn't even that much fun. <laughs> this is why I love the NFL because you just, you don't know. Um, it, it is wide open. And, and if you look at ESPN's picks, uh, you know, all the analysts and insiders, we all um, sort of made our choice of who we thought was going to be in the Super Bowl. And I think every single person, there's 40 of us, except one person had the Packers going to the Super Bowl. Wow. So, w- pie in all of our face. But, hey, you, you, you never know, though. You never know. You never know. That's another, that's another thing. We've seen it happen before with backups coming in and, and wowing us. So, we'll see. All right. Before I let you go, you were the one that broke the Adrian Peterson trade that sent him to the Cardinals, and it it seems like Diana that this trade is working out for both sides, wouldn't you say? Oh, it really is. It, and it's funny too because so many people were chirping at the Saints of like, "See, told you, look at that." And and I don't think fans really understood the situation in New Orleans with AP. It, it, I don't think it was that the offense didn't understand what he could do. They just have better options. The, the the ideas of what they can build there. And, I mean, just look at how much Ingram and, and Kamara broke out uh, on Sunday without that pressure of Peyton having to split up the touches and, and figure out how to use all his tools. Uh, I'm excited to see how this is going to look now Sunday. I think they're fresh off, especially Peyton is fresh off that idea that, all right, he can just go with the guys that he definitely wants to use. Let's see if they, they can string together another game and, and put out a, a great performance against this kind of beat-up Packers defense. Yeah, should be a fun one to watch at Lambeau, that's for sure. That's Diana Rossini, ESPN host, reporter, NFL insider. Basically, she does it all for ESPN. And Diana, we appreciate the time this morning and enjoy the games this weekend. Uh, thanks so much, guys. I'll see you. All right, Daniel and Diana, thank you very much. We're looking forward to uh, this weekend's game. We'll have more coverage, obviously, on Friday's Black and Blue Report. Friday's Black and Blue Report will also focus in on the home opener for the Pelicans. The Warriors are here on Friday night free. Well, a later than normal tip-off at 8.30. We're on at a normal time tonight, 7 p.m. tip-off from here in Memphis, 6.30 pregame coverage on both the Pelicans Radio Network and Fox Sports New Orleans. Let's get this thing going, hopefully off on the right foot tonight for the Pels. Thanks to all of our guests today, Victor Howell, David Wesley, Michael Wallace, Diana Rossini, Daniel Salerson, also basically co-hosting uh, throughout our podcast. This is one of our favorite days of the year, and we put together, I think, a pretty good um, – Uh, podcast full of conversation about it with that being said i'm sean kelly and from memphis go pelicans go saints we'll see you friday on the black and blue report